0: Welcome to Larry King Now. Our special guest is Gary Vaynerchuk, the self-proclaimed hustler, (laughs) is a digital media mogul, author, web show host, and venture capitalist, among many other things. As the CEO and co-founder of VaynerMedia, Gary hosts the hugely popular YouTube show, Ask Gary V, and has penned three New York Times best-selling books. Gary has been named to Fortune Magazine's 40 Under 40 list, of the most influential business leaders and holds the number one ranking on Forbes' top 40 social selling market masters. His newest book, Ask Gary V, is available now. How did this all start? You whine? <laughs> what, what happened with you? Uh,
1: what happened with me is I had the great benefit of being an immigrant. I was born in Belarus in the former Soviet Union.
0: My mother was from Belarus. I didn't know that. Minsk, I think.
1: Yeah, I was born 40 minutes from Minsk, and uh, came to the States in 78, uh, when they let some Jews out of there. And uh, we uh, set up in Queens, and my parents lived the American dream. They worked very hard. My dad was a stock boy in a liquor store in Clark, New Jersey, and eventually became the manager of that store, and eventually saved up enough money to buy a store in Springfield, New Jersey. I was lemonade stands, baseball cards, real hustler kid, blow pops, anything to make a buck. Um, and at 14, I got dragged into the store. You know, oldest son, immigrant family. I always tell people, Larry, that I lived their grandparents' life more than theirs, right? I'm um, a th- couple generations behind most. I did it in the 70s and 80s and 90s when most people did it in the 30s, 40s and 50s. Um,
0: You're a legal immigrant.
1: I am, thank God. Okay. Uh, otherwise, I probably wouldn't do the show. Okay. <laughs> uh, and uh, I fell in love with people collecting wine when I was 17 because I was into collecting sports cards. That was my connection point. I wanted collecting. collecting. I wanted to build 4,000 wine shops. That was, I was gonna build a Toys R Us of wine, sell the franchise, buy the New York Jets. That's what the plan was. Heard the internet my freshman year of college, heard that sound, knew that it was special, and in 1996, I launched one of the first e-commerce wine businesses in America, called WineLibrary.com took over my dad's business, kind of running it day to day in 1998 alongside with him, and from 98 to 2003, uh, helped grow that business from a three to a $60 million business. That became the foundation. Built that on e-commerce, email marketing, banner advertising, Google AdWords, things that the marketing world didn't believe yet, and then YouTube came out. And I started a wine show four months after YouTube started. And
0: You are not a wine expert.
1: I grew up a wine expert, I, you know, from, from 15 to 30, in those 15 years, my whole life was wine.
0: Were you always successful?
1: In everything but school.
0: Didn't do well in school.
1: Poor. Terrible, actually. Um p- punted it. You know, it was funny, and this is where I give my parents enormous credit, and I've, you know, it's funny, it's a business book that says self-awareness. My parents grew up, and I give them so much credit, in a world where all their contemporaries, as, and you know this, Education's the way out for immigrants. Sure is. My mom recognized that I was a merchant, an entrepreneur, a promoter. So did school fail you or you failed school? School failed me. School's failing entrepreneurs every single day. Because? Because it's not built for entrepreneurship. It's built for workers. You know, if you're being taught to play within the lines, and there's nothing being taught that maps to the entrepreneurial market. As a matter of fact, my biggest cynicism when I sit across an entrepreneur today is if they are too successful at school. I probably look at Ivy League grads starting startups right now with more of a negative light than I do somebody who wasn't because. as good. Because what I've learned over the last five to seven years, and by the way, in the last two, three years, I've taken a step back on this because there's too many entrepreneurial friends who've gone to great schools that have been successful. So this is not a blanket statement, but I will tell you that in a world of private schools, in a world of mommy and daddy having a lot of connections, that when you go from 12, 15, 18 years of that ecosystem and you go into a market and you create an app, the market doesn't give a crap who your dad is. The market responds to your product, and a lot of these kids have not been able to take the punch in the mouth that comes along with entrepreneurship.
0: You're big on self-awareness, right? Huge. How does one get to be self-aware? I don't know. So how do you
1: teach it? I don't know, but I know it's damn important. And and so I know where I start and where I stop, Larry, and I wish, honestly, I'm curious to see over the next 40, 50 years of my career if I figure it out, I, I, I think that, The things that I've been pushing people to do is, one, create an ecosystem where you make the people closest to you feel comfortable to tell you the truth. So one of the things I've been asking for people to do is tell your mom and dad and spouse, uh, best friend, co-worker, hey, tell me the truth, what am I good at, what am I bad at, and spend a month or two to get them comfortable to actually tell you the truth because the people that love you sure don't want to tell you.
0: How did the website thing come about? Way back when? I mean, you, your web show. Or what the is web the show now. The biggest thing you do is your web show?
1: The biggest thing I do right now is I run a 650 person social media digital agency that works with the brands like Toyota that's and called, Pepsi. And that's called VaynerMedia.
0: And what does VaynerMedia do?
1: We're a modern day madman. We're a Madison Avenue agency. The same people that used to sell commercial time on anything you ever did in radio and television, we now do that on Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, and we produce the creative for the brands to sell stuff through the phone. Because Larry, and and I'd love to get, I'd almost wanna, I know we're doing a show here, but I'd love to get your thoughts maybe after, maybe right now, who knows? I think we're living through a very interesting moment. I believe that the telephone is becoming the television, and the television is becoming the radio. And I've been spending a lot of time studying the transition in the late 50s from radio to television because this is the first time we've had a platform shift in our society in a half a century. And I think it's a very big deal. And I've been spending an enormous amount of time the last five years trying to be the best storyteller for that platform.
0: Next, utilizing the digital world for your entrepreneurial benefit. How social media can transform your business. Stay with us. We're back with the incredible Gary Vaynerchuk. Is that a
1: Jewish name? You know what's funny? I know it always confuses people. People don't think it, but I am.
0: Okay. <laughs> the book, Ask Gary Vee, is out now on, entrepreneur, on entrepreneurs' take on leadership, social media, and self-awareness. Okay, how do we use social media to help our business?
1: Well, I think we first understand that social media is a slang term for the current state of the Internet. And when you position social media that way you take it a lot more seriously. So step one, Larry, for 97% of the people that are watching is to actually take it serious. That's number one. And again, we were talking as we were getting ready, a lot of radio people didn't take television serious when the transition happened. That was their loss. Correct. Right? That's what's happening right now, Larry. This is historic. The history always tells you the future. And so that's what's happening. So first, take it serious. Two, understand that Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and YouTube, these are different channels. It's the difference between CNN and Fox and ABC and sports ESPN. You've gotta understand the context of the medium that you're on. So when you're storytelling about your business on YouTube, you've gotta produce different content than when you're putting a picture on Facebook. So again, sitting in your presence, I almost wanna ask questions more than do this interview. I think that people underestimate context of the medium. Right? I would assume that when you interviewed somebody on radio versus when you did it on television, there's slight differences because they're different mediums. Slight. Slight, and it's slight, but it's real. And in that slightness is all the magic. Number three, it's understanding that you have to provide value. Too many businesses right now on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, every post they put out is buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. Here's where I'm gonna be, check me out, buy my book, check out my experience, watch me on my show and nobody's providing value. So the prior book I wrote to this was called Jab, 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 Right Hook. Give, 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 ask. And it gave people a formula of how to put out content that actually gave people enough value that you then had them in a consideration to buy your stuff.
0: But the technology changes so much that something could be new tomorrow that wipes
1: out what was yesterday, right? Tough crap, right? The market is the market is the market. Every day, people put out shows on radio and television that tried to knock you off your pedestal. You had to become number one, stay number one. That's the market. I wish that Twitter wasn't losing its leadership role. I have 1.2 million followers on Twitter. I built my brand on Twitter. I'm dominant on Twitter. I have 2.8. Well, because you're a legend. I'm why, just, is a, you Twitter, know. Uh, why is Twitter going? Because Twitter lost its way, in my opinion, because they didn't create an algorithm, and everybody who follows everybody sees everything, and it gets too loud. And so they had what I call a fire hose problem. Too much information meant that people tuned it out. And so what Facebook did and what Instagram does is they don't show you everything. They show you the stuff based on what you've been liking that it thinks that you're gonna like. All
0: this is most appealing to the young, right? If you're over 40, are you into this? If you're over 50?
1: I think so. I think if you look at behavior, let me ask you a question. Have you noticed some of your over 40, over 50 friends start to send emojis on texts? I don't know what that is. Do you know the little poop pictures and the little face and the smiles? I don't text. Well, listen. Let's turn off the cameras. We got things to do here. <laughs> I need Larry to send some poop emojis immediately. A poop emoji? Yes. Poop emojis. The next thing Sounds we're going to talk in the next in the up. next segment. We're going to talk poop emojis. But I look. I think if you look at the data, it's stunning what's happened. Thirty-five to sixty. I'll go a different route with you. If for anybody who's watching right now, if you're lucky enough to know your parent at the age that you are now. If you're at an age where you actually knew your mom and dad at the same age you are now, you will notice that your behavior is much younger. Much younger. That has a lot to do with technology. Technology is dragging, people are living through a youthification of our society. The fastest growing segment on the Instagrams and the Snapchats in the world are the 40 and overs, because just like Facebook, these things age up. Wow. Yeah.
0: Now, explain all of this with regard to the New York Jets.
1: <laughs> uh, I desperately want to buy them, Larry. You do? Yes, I do.
0: Can you afford it?
1: Not yet. But I've never felt more in control of that actually happening than I do right now.
0: Why this? Uh, you're so level-headed in yes. other things. Yes, But sports things are a fan thing. Yes, they are. And that's short for fanatic. Yes, it is. And that's emotional.
1: Yeah, listen, I'm a flawed human. I mean, we all have our shortcomings. So... You know, uh, look. I'll tell you the truth. When I came to America in in Queens and in Dover, I couldn't speak English. Uh, Dover, New Jersey. Spoke and Hebrew. No, I wasn't speaking Yiddish, Russian? but I was speaking Russian. Um, but there was something when I moved to Edison, New Jersey. The kid, Eric Godfrey, Robbie Turnick, they were playing football, and they made me a Jets fan. And it was my first kind, It was my first American thing. And my mom. I, everybody had a Jets jersey, and I wanted one. And my mom, we, we couldn't afford stuff like that. It's not what immigrants do. You don't go out and buy a $30 Jets jersey. So my mom knitted me one. And so I have it, it's my prized possession. It's literally my prized possession. And I've created a fairy tale in my mind somewhere around second or third grade that I was gonna go from not being able to afford a jersey to owning the whole damn thing. And that is, the, the quest to buy the Jets is my happiness. Whether I buy them or not, so many variables. What if
0: Woody Johnson doesn't sell? Well, he'll be dead by the time.
1: Well, that's right. I mean, there's an advantage of being 25 to 30 years younger than the current owner. But you don't know anything can happen, right? And so there's a lot of things I can't control in that fairy tale, but I can control the ambitious climb to get there.
0: You are so on top of things. Does a jet loss affect you?
1: Yes. The jets are my one kryptonite. I'm actually stunningly level-headed, un- I'm basically unemotional when it comes to business. I can tell. I, you know, it's a win-loss thing. It's a net-net game. I can deal. Yes, the Jets bother me It's a, because I'm not in control. we sure. got quite
0: a few questions on my blog regarding tips for jump-starting a business. What are the three most important things to keep in mind when starting up?
1: One, that cash is oxygen. I'm blown away by all these people that are starting businesses that don't realize that money is important. Like They think about all these things. They're trying to think about four years from now and they haven't made their first check. Just complete lack of practicality when thinking about a business. Number two, strengths. Are you a salesman? Are you the accountant? Are you? Do you have financial strength? Do you have sales strength? Are you operationally? Are you good at HR? Whatever you're best at, Do that, surround yourself with the other three or four pillars that need to have a business. And number three, look for the white space. Meaning, where are people not marketing and storytelling that you can? Is Snapchat, is YouTube, is a blog or a podcast your way to separate yourself from everybody else while they're running direct mail or radio or television or print advertising? What's the white space in your sector that nobody else is filling?
0: Okay, well, game if you only knew, i just throw a quote. What's the it. best piece of advice you ever got?
1: That. When I was 14, I was full of crap. I was a salesman. I would say anything to you to make you buy my baseball cards or a bottle of wine. My dad grabbed me by the neck, and he said, listen to me, where we come from, you've got one thing, your word. And that one moment, easily, my mom did most of the work. My mom did most of the work. My dad was at work. I never saw my dad until I was 14. She built the self-esteem. She made me the right kind of guy, kind. She built the foundation. But that one tweak by my dad changed the outcome of my life from being a good huckster salesman who would have made it okay and made a good buck to having real potential.
0: Did you get some bad advice too?
1: I don't really listen to advice at all, so I'm sure I get bad advice. Larry, I actually think I get bad advice every day.
0: Is there a company we should be paying more attention to?
1: Music.ly. It's the emerging thing. Snapchat's the one for most people, but I'm making that assumption that as people continue to watch this, they'll know about that. Music.ly is the emerging social network with junior high kids in America and China. It has a chance.
0: Your biggest failure and what you learned from it?
1: I think my biggest failure was when I transitioned from day to day in the wine business to starting VaynerMedia, I wrote a book called Crush It that became a big New York Times list. I started three other businesses. I was, the, I was like a guy that came out of a long relationship and wanted to date everything. Uh, I learned that even though my brain tells me I can do everything because I work 15 to 18 hours a day, I can't and you only have so much energy and focus and I need to cut that in.
0: What industry is on the verge of exploding?
1: Virtual reality and let me say this, Larry, because I think you're gonna get a kick out of this, because if you think emojis is crazy, let me tell you what I'm about to tell you. 12 years from today, when we're doing this interview, as we're gonna have a long relationship, as you said, we're gonna be doing it, it's gonna feel like it's happening just like right now, except one thing, we're both gonna be sitting at home.
0: Uh, How about about an industry that's slowing down or
1: dying? Uh, I think television advertising is in deep crap.
0: Business leader we should be paying more attention to.
1: I think Jeff Bezos, who runs Amazon, is the single best entrepreneur of this century, including Steve Jobs. And he
0: went into the newspaper business.
1: Because he's smart. You know what he did there, Larry? He went into the brand business. He bought that brand, Washington Post, for nothing, and now he's gonna deploy it in a different platform, like the Kindle.
0: What's the best success story you ever heard?
1: You know what's funny? That's a great question. I'm I'm very undereducated on the entrepreneurs and successful people in the world. My favorite success story is my dad. He came here with nothing.
0: Yeah. Zero. Good example.
1: I lived in a studio apartment a quarter the size of this studio. Yeah, he's young. He's 62. He's only 20 years old, 22 years older than me.
0: Still working then? (sighs) On fire. Part of the world that is exploding in business and commerce.
1: I'm very intrigued by Africa. I think Africa is emerging, they've got cell phones that, at scale, I think that's gonna be the place everyone's gonna focus the next decade.
0: Young entrepreneur who's impressing you.
1: I think Mark Zuckerberg is gonna take that throne from Jeff Bezos. And I think he's grossly, grossly underestimated. And in parallel, Evan Spiegel of Snapchat has surprised me. He's under, he's 25, I think, the way he's navigated that business with all the pressure of the whole world looking at these him. these
0: kids get this, in garages? Where, do they, where, do they, where does this come from, this genius?
1: It comes, it, it, I don't think it's genius. I think that they're lucky that the Internet came along and allowed them to do it earlier. The Internet is such scale.
0: Larry. Where Where is the Internet?
1: By the way, in the ocean, in the sky. I mean, you know, the, the internet is basically our lives. I actually think the internet is more our life than this is. This is where people spend their time. Attention is the asset, and the internet owns it.
0: Gary Vaynerchuk <laughs> in 10 years.
1: Uh, hustling.
0: Owning the Jets? No. Not yet.
1: My behavior doesn't map to owning the Jets in 10 years. My behavior maps to owning the Jets in 30
0: A lot of social media questions. Serena Brainy on Facebook. When do you know you're ready to start a business?
1: If you're asking that question, you're probably not ready. (laughs) (laughs) Larry, I believe a purebred entrepreneur suffocates in the notion of doing anything but running their own business.
0: At Chief Chipper on Twitter, what was your favorite baseball card as a kid?
1: 1990 Leaf Frank Thomas rookie card. Me and my friend Brandon adored that card.
0: Just saw Frank a couple weeks ago. He's a real player. He was a real player. He was in the Hall of Fame. Yep. Bruce McKellen on the Larry King Now blog. Do you get political at all? What are your thoughts on people from the private sector? Donald
1: Trump. I don't tend to get political, mainly because I've voted both party lines already at this young of an age multiple times. I really, I'm quite practical about politics. I wait till there's a decision, and I make the decision that I think is best in the current situation.
0: At Breck Landscape on Twitter, what's more more investable, a digital company with millions of users and no profit or one with a few users and millions in profit?
1: Both is true, but if there's real growth at no profit with millions of users, that's the one that you want to run because the upside is so great. Now, Twitter had that, right? Yeah, and look, I, I was an early investor in Twitter. Twitter isn't bad, is it? No, it's not bad, I mean, and by the way, I made a crap load of money, Larry. Like, the people who invested in Twitter before it went public made a fortune. Um, Twitter's issue is that it needs to hold on to the attention of its users.
0: Mr. Lou on Facebook asks, in the age of digital media, how do you suggest someone maintain a solid print audience?
1: By making sure A, they are building a digital audience, and by B, trying to find something clever that the print product can deliver that the digital product cannot, and also this, Larry. <sighs> Holding your breath. I mean, the user is dying off. And when I say dying, I don't mean literally dying. I mean, we are watching 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 year olds shift into digital consumption. But if print is
0: dying, why does a Carlos Slim invest in the New York Times?
1: Because he wants to use that to push his propaganda.
0: He's got a vehicle. <laughs> yeah. As Jeff Bezos says. Of course. Uh, at, Larry,
1: that's the real answer. You know it.
0: Yeah. At <laughs> KJM 1016 on Twitter, how would you suggest one avoids running their social media outlets without making it feel like spam?
1: By not being spam. Larry, this pisses me off all the time. People are like, how do I be less selly? Be less selly. Provide people actual value. Like, if you don't want your social media to feel spammy, why don't you talk about putting out content and acting like a media company instead of acting like a salesperson?
0: John Crabtree on the Larry King Now blog. Do you see any new apps emerging as game changers in the next few years?
1: You know, I'm very, like I mentioned, I'm very hot on Musical.ly. I also think Anchor, this audio app, is quite interesting. What think is of, that? It's, think of it as uh, voice Twitter. So you, instead of tweeting, you're doing it by voice So you literally put up the phone to yourself and say, you know, today I'm thinking, and quite interesting, it's very, very early, but I'm keeping a very keen eye on it.
0: Who invents these
1: things? Youngsters, a lot of times, who don't know any better. You know what I would tell you, and I think this will make sense to you? I look at it very similar to music genres. I think of it as like The Clash and Kurt Cobain and Run DMC. I think it's people who come up, they don't see what they want, and they create it
0: at Soul Man Schofield, do you think you'll ever retire or do you enjoy working too much?
1: I look. I think when I'm sitting here with you and I know all the context I know about you and all the fact that you pretty much have interviewed anybody who's important in the last 50 goddamn years, the thing that most excites me is that you're sitting right here right now and interviewing me. I have no interest in doing anything other than, that to me is the most interesting thing that's happening in this room right now is that while I'm doing this interview, the parallel part of my brain is saying, Damn, this is the guy I'm doing. This this is exactly what I'm gonna be doing.
0: Are you married? I am. You have children? I do. What how old are the children? Six and three. Boy and a girl?
1: Mm-hmm. Girl boy.
0: All right, how do you th- your thoughts on your ability in business to raising a family? Do you use the principles at home? I do,
1: I do. Yeah. I think, I think. first of all, I'm an, I'm an EQ, HR-driven CEO. I think I win not on my IQ, but on my emotional intelligence. I think that I'm very in tune to people's feelings. I try to reverse engineer what they're about. For example, I have no interest in my kids being anything but who they are. My mom gifted with me, gifted me by parenting me to my strengths. If my kids are artists or wanna be in the nonprofit sector, or climb mountains, I'm all in. I want them to do them. Um, um, the one line in the sand I have is no eighth place trophies. Lizzie knows, and now I'm looking at the camera because I want her to see my eyes again, no eighth place trophies. Life is about winning and losing. It's binary, right? So as long as my kids know that, I don't care what they do, they don't need to make money, they don't need to be entrepreneurs, but to win, there's a real market. To be a great artist, to be great at helping other people, you have to be great at it.
0: Does your wife get involved in your business?
1: No we have a very strong line in the sand. My parents had that. Um, her parents had that for the most part, so I think we're just kind of acting on what we saw behaviorally. We don't I don't like I don't like look, when you're the CEO of a when you're the top dog, you're only in the negative issues business. I'm a firefighter. All I'm dealing with is headaches. What's going to happen right now? I'm going to step out of here and I'm going to look at my phone and there's going to be seven things I have to deal with that isn't a fun thing to deal with. So to come home and pour that on my wife isn't interesting. I don't have anything positive to say. On a micro level, it's all negative. It's the macro level that's awesome.
0: Gary, you're incredible. Great Thank meeting you. you. Nice meeting you. This is the first of many meetings. Thank you, my friend.